Hello and welcome to Philosophy with Will Anderson. I'm Will Anderson from the title of the podcast, uh, M. Rassiano is back. This was fun. This was uh, this is her third time on the podcast as well. If you are just tuning in, and maybe this is the first time you're listening to uh, this show, Philosophy, um, this is a little conversation that I have with people about life and what's important and what they're interested in. And so it's also one of those shows that I like to update, check back in with people and probably... None more than M has had a journey on this show between, you know, various points in her life and how she's been viewing the world. And we talk about that a little bit again today and the current state of the world and, you know, what she's doing during this time and, you know, how it's going to shape her creativity going forward. So loved having M on the podcast. We're going to talk heaps about uh, all the things that she's doing, uh, about some of the things that I am doing. And uh, we do mention the Patreon in this. Hopefully not too much, but uh, at the moment, this is my only job. And uh, if you like this podcast and you would like to support it coming out weekly, patreon.com slash philosophy is the place to go. W-I-L-O-S-O-P-H-Y. I have some costs to put on this uh, podcast. Um, you know, I have to pay podcast mic. I don't have to, I guess. Well, I mean, I feel morally obliged and probably legally obliged to pay podcast mic. And uh, he does a brilliant job on this podcast and putting it all together. And he did all the coordinating of this with them and making sure that we rec- could record at different ends uh, during this pandemic time. Because if you've not heard me talk about it previously, um, I like to do these these talks one-on-one. So during this time, I'm trying to do them down the line with people I've already spoken to. Uh, don't know what that's going to mean for next week because at the moment I am struggling to have any internet at my house and that does not seem to be an issue that is going to be resolved uh, very quickly. So uh, TBC on whether I'll talk to a new guest next week or whether we'll play one or two of the archived um, uh, pre-coronavirus episodes of this podcast that I still have up my sleeve. So um, I won't uh, talk too long at the top here because, you know, I've banged on a bit in the last couple of weeks. So um, M. Rassiano, she's the best. Uh, Check out her Instagram and her Facebook Live and, you know, everything that she's doing and everything that she's doing during this time. Her brand new podcast, the uh, Podcast Mike, is also uh, helping with that. Anyway, it's all great. Uh, Please go and check it out. And the amazing James Fosdyke, who does all the art, uh, for this podcast and uh, all the original art and uh, you can go to his Redbubble page uh, just put in James Fosdyke and Redbubble and there's philosophy merchandise there there's merchandise from my other podcast uh, Tofop uh, that I do with Charlie Clawson coming up to 10 years of us doing Tofop and uh, Fofop my spin-off podcast is back Dave Anthony was the guest on the most recent episode of that and I did too with Justin Hamilton as well so uh, there's nearly 300 episodes of Fofop which is me talking to other comedians and podcasters around the world Uh, so if you've never listened to that and you want to have a bit of a dumb laugh in these dumb times then uh, Fofop might be the place for that and of course Charlie and I also have an AFL football podcast that is rarely about AFL football it is called Two Guys One Cup an AFL podcast and uh, we're doing uh, we are doing new episodes of that, but you know, there is no football at the moment, so and I have no internet, so we are going to get together at some stage and do new episodes of Two Guys One Cup as well. If you like this podcast, please uh, sign up to the pod uh, to the Patreon. But of course, these are tough times, and I know there's a whole bunch of people out there who are struggling and can't afford. They just like to listen to the podcast and not have to, you know, sign up to something, and that's absolutely fine, of course. And uh, I'm glad that you can still get it, uh, but if you do have a couple of bucks to throw my way, this is a good time to do that to help us keep the lights on here at Willosophy. 
Um, what else can I tell you? That's pretty much it. I don't have any shows to plug, obviously. So, um, oh, look, if you do like the podcast and uh, you can't contribute financially to it, you can contribute in other ways. You could share it around. You could recommend it to somebody. Uh, you could leave it a rating. All those things help getting the word out there about this show. All right, that's enough. Um, I really hope you enjoy this third chat with M. Rossiano. Hello and welcome to Philosophy with Will Anderson. I am Will Anderson from the title of the podcast. Here's what we're doing with this podcast now. I had a rule. I had only one rule with this podcast, really, which was I would always be in the same room with the person that I was talking to because I think that this is a, it's a not an interview show, it's a conversation show and it's much easier to have a conversation with somebody when you're in the same room with them and you can pick up on their body language and you can look them in the eye and you can give them a cuddle later and you're not allowed to give people a cuddle later at the moment. So I've been looking at solutions. How do I keep putting out this podcast but not do it with new people over the internet? And my solution to that, my elegant solution to that, at least in the meantime, is to revisit past guests of this podcast who I already have an intimacy with and then we can have that chat over the internet recorded at each end. So basically I'm going down my list of previous guests also and go who has fucking equipment to record this shit. So, you know, it's a really good process that I'm putting together for our guests. Not only did I want to talk to you again, but I knew you had equipment to record this interview. So you've really ticked two big boxes in this criteria, but you are a third time guest on this podcast. So you know that I love you and I always love to talk to you. Who are you? I'm M. Rassian. Hello, M. Rossiano. Hi, I feel so special to have met your stringent list of requirements. <laughs> God, tick, tick, tick. Way to make a girl feel just, you know, really special. Well, look, you would have been top of my list regardless, Em. You know that. But Thank it just I, I was just very pleased to hear from our podcast Mike, who's been working on some other podcast stuff with you, yes. that you had equipment and you were able to do the podcast. <laughs> and I was like, well, this is brilliant. And he also texted me, he also texted me yesterday and he goes, um, do you mind doing it like as soon as possible? And I said, sure, I can do it now. And he goes, no, no, tomorrow. And I said, all right, fine. So, yeah, yeah. I was here. What else am I doing? <laughs> well, what are you doing? Uh, how are you handling <sighs> this brave new world that we're all living in at the moment? Look, I've always been an advocate of you either let life happen to you or you happen to life. And um, so I've decided to just make the best of it and go hard as I do all the time with everything. Um, it was probably a couple of days of when my tour got cancelled was of initial, holy shit, that's like 80% of my income. Um, 23 dates gone and uh, like same as you, same as every comic we know. And yeah, that was a period that of, at all. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's that, it's that sudden period of, uh, okay, um, and then I kind of sprung into action and I'm like, well, I can still perform and it's still a, a value and to people, especially at the moment. The arts is so important to people at home, um, even though the government don't agree. And so I thought I'm going to start putting on shows online and charge people tickets for that. 
and um, I thought I needed to start a podcast and just kind of make it somewhere for people to hang out during isolation, which is what it is. And yeah, I just started hustling, man, That's which is what I do. No, well, you're the second person that I've talked to in a row. So Briggs last week and then you, who both describe yourself as hustlers. And I describe myself also as a hustler. And I like <laughs> the hustlers in these situations because you see them reinvi- reinvigorate their hustle. You know, there's there's something about a hustler working when things are going well that is impressive to watch. But it's when things turn to shit that the hustlers get their shit together. And you've always struck me. And I've said this to you before. So uh, that your shows always feel to me little like somebody who's just playing dress ups and putting on a show in their own house anyway. So in some ways, this is really just return to basics for you. Pretty much. And because I have, I mean, behind me, I have probably, it's about a six metre long wardrobe that's in the been built into my roof full of the last 12 years of solo costumes. So I have them all here ready to go. I don't have to leave the house for that. I have a wig room. I have a shoe room. And um, so really I am living the dream because as I've said to you, I'm an introvert who dresses up as an extrovert. So the fact I can go up to my attic, get dressed up, set up a camera and put on a show um, is pretty much the dream. So I, I have come into my own in this period. And my my manager's joking. He said, you're the busiest you've ever been. And I said, yeah, I know. So, you know, it's, it's okay. But I just, I don't know. I just feel like I could have very easily will kind of rolled into a misery pit and, um, hid under my bed for a few months and that was very inviting but I just decided to make the best of it and make the most of it and and it's it's working out okay so far you're like the entertainment version of a doomsday prepper you had everything 100%. ready to go <laughs> it's like I'm finally joke. finally I'm <laughs> finally all those wigs that I've been stockpiling like other people have been stockpiling toilet paper are ready to go there's drag queens running around Melbourne going, that fucking bitch. <laughs> Rossiano's taking it all. <laughs> oh my god, you asked that. I'm stealing that. That is so true. I am I'm a drag stay prepper. You have you have nailed me on the head. Yeah, no, I've well, I've been unconsciously preparing for this moment for many years. Yes, home performances. But like you know, when I was ten, I was putting on the equivalent of shows for my mum and dad um, just with less production value. So really it's dad's still in the shows here too as well. So nothing's changed. (laughs) Yeah. For him, nothing's really changed. He's just like, okay, well, this is back to where it all started. We like this. Exactly. Exactly. So before we talk about what you've been doing, because I I really do want to explore all that, but talk Mm. to me about that, that other road. And to the people who are listening to this right now, there's no, like I would love to say to people, everybody's feeling that other road. Everybody's mm. getting up in the morning and going, well, I could just stay in bed or I could mm. think about how terrible things are. And for a lot of people, things are extremely terrible right now. Mm. So some people don't even have the luxury other than you're going, well, this is terrible and everything about it is terrible. And so but put that aside a little bit for the other people who are trying to balance good things out of this with terrible things out of this. You know, how much does the terrible creep in and how do you deal with it when it does creep in? The, the terrible creeps in for me at about 1am most nights and um, 
I find I'm pretty tough and brave during the day because I'm making myself ridiculously busy. And then when everything's quiet and I have to listen to the voices in my mind, um, that's when I struggle the most. And I get up and I write or I kind of pace the house or I, I paint a wall. I did paint a wall in the middle of the night the other night. Um, <laughs> I- when you say you painted a wall, all one colour or you didn't want like, you yeah. know, like write red rum, red rum, red rum over it and paint no. on the wall or something? <laughs> Just with blood. Just, why? <laughs> no, I, I, well, I really, I really fight quite hard to maintain an equilibrium within my negative thoughts. Um, I've been a person who's always tended to be a bit paranoid and, and I go looking for fights and I go looking for reasons for people not to like me. And, you know, I turned 41 this year and I think I'm finally on top of that. And for me with this virus and, and all the awful things happening, I guess I, I, I know how to protect myself a bit and I know what triggers me and what triggers me is reading news.com watching any sort of news program getting information from sources that are alarmist or extremist or right-wing um so what I do is I've got trusted sources of information that I go to if I need it but to be honest I put myself in a bit of a bubble just to to protect myself and I and I um put myself in the service of others When, when I'm feeling really really low I um I reach out to my friends to see how they are and that always makes me feel better. Um, I make things. I I do things with my kids. I don't know. I it's been it's been hard, and and I have to be honest. I'm working really really hard every day to not be negative and scared and anxious about the future. And that's the, that's the truth. And and I I haven't mastered it, but it's just being um, aware and and present as often as possible and if I start spiraling about oh god what about next week what about how am I going to pay the mortgage in six months I have to just reel it back in and go look in front of me and go okay let's make lunch let's um let's put the washing on the line so it's just kind of taking delight and being conscious of the small things that's keeping me afloat it it really is you know almost compulsory mindfulness isn't it in that Uh If you think too much about the future, and we can't think too much about the future at the moment because none of us really truly understand what the future might be. When all our shows got cancelled, a lot of them got rescheduled, you know, to later in the year. But I noticed the chief medical officer in Victoria today saying he doesn't think there'll be any sort of live performance with crowds in until 2021. So you start to have yeah. to revise that. So you you can't really live in that moment anyway. So you're almost forced to go back to the idea of living in the moment that you're in right now. And I have noticed some sort of, you know, backlash, cynical mockery to people making bread or baking or doing these sort of Mm. things online. But I can totally understand the idea of, you know, when you are feeling terrible, the two things that you outlined are really good things to be able to do. One is just make something. And for some people Mm. that might be just baking a loaf of bread. You know, for artists Mm -hmm. it might be making a piece of art. But I Mm. understand the idea of going, here is something I can control right now and I am just going to concentrate on this thing that I can control right now. And I think that's a really great thing. And I think that part of the Zoom meetings, and we're on Zoom, look at the two of us, two people in their 40s trying to work out how Zoom worked this morning. That was We're amazing. We're millennials right now. We celebrated so hard that it worked, like in a way that people, like for us, it was like we got a Harry Potter spell to work. And, but also the other thing that you're saying, which is reaching out to others or thinking about Mm. others when you're feeling terrible is, is a really good way to, to, to think about it. I think at my lowest, the day the comedy festival was meant to start, and that was just, I knew that it would be very self indulgent for me to, 
feel too terrible about that in light of everything that was going on in the world. But for me, yeah, that festival, it would have been my 25th year in a row doing a show at the festival. Mm. It's the anchor of my year. It's what everything Mm. else revolves around. And it is so Mm. closely tied to my identity and what it is that I do that I knew Mm. that I had to do something so that I didn't get obsessed by those sort of thoughts and start Mm. thinking about that I wouldn't be able to pay my mortgage and what was I going to do and shit, I shouldn't have fucking stopped doing radio. (laughs) (laughs) Never, (laughs) never say that again. Never think that because you know it's the best decision you made. Well, there's nothing like being completely unemployed with no income and still not wanting to go back to it to let you know that you've made the right decision. I'm the same. I walked away from (laughs) breakfast radio money in Sydney and I don't even know if I'm going to pay my mortgage next month, but I still don't regret it. I'm doing shows in my attic and I still don't regret it. I've got a PayPal GoFundMe account and I still don't regret it. So, but in those moments, so what I did on the first day of the comedy festival is, well, I just went through the program and tweeted links to shows that I would have liked to see. And really that was just like, it wasn't, it was as much for me as it was for anyone Mm. else is the point that I'm making. I felt like I would find comfort in giving someone else a boost that day who might be going through the same thing. And that was Mm. quite a helpful way for me to deal with the, you know, the sort of pain or angst that I was going through myself. Mm. No, I know. And it's just, it's such a weird time as a performer. And also I find as performers, we find it hard to not ask for money, but place a value on what we do if it's not right in front of you on a stage. So even for me, when the idea came up to put on a virtual concert, the idea of saying, hey, you guys will... You'll have to buy tickets. And I had a few people come at me and go, oh, why would we do that where we can get you for free? And I'm like, well, this is how I pay my bills. I don't make songs out of the kindness of my heart. But I also think about all the guys that worked for me, all my crew, all the guys that put on the shows, you know, the the backstage people for me are my heart and soul. Like nothing works for me without those guys. And they've got no, they've got nothing. They've got no events to put on. And I think about that part of the arts industry that, you know, it's not just those of us on stage. We don't get on stage without a, a background of people who are setting up lighting and sound and staging and costuming. And um, they're the people I'm worried for also. I mean, I yeah, I just, I don't know. Oh, but I agree. I, I, like, I mean, every part of every part of what it is that we do, and this is where it falls down as a dumb idea that we're not important because – yeah. Um, you know, and not to overstate our importance, but I just mean not, not only all your crew who helped you put on the show, but then you're talking about the hire of the venue, the people who work at the box office, the people who work at ushers, the people who work at the convenience stand, the people who are selling the merchandise. They're all people who have jobs because you imagine something inside your head and then mm. employed 60, mm. 70, 80 people to make that happen. And all those people have jobs. So the idea, because of you, and so the idea that what you're doing isn't a business, isn't something that employs people, you are an employer. You are creating yeah. jobs. This is exactly what these governments always talk about, the idea of they want people who create jobs. Well, you know mm. what? Gina Reinhart creates jobs by digging shit out of the ground that was already there and then mm. selling it to other people. Like mm. you dug some shit out of your own head that didn't mm. exist before and turned mm. it into jobs for all these other people. And mm. all those other and people that, actually it, got 
you know, got paid. You yeah. didn't send that money to Panama. <laughs> so no, I did not. And it's not me standing on stage with my hat saying, please support me. That's no. I'm going to be okay. I'm fine. It is, you know, when I raise money through the shows I've been doing now, it's to pay the people that work for me because I want to keep paying the, the, my PA and my bookkeeper and all the other members of the M. Rossiano Entertainment group. And that's, <laughs> that's, that's the reason why, you know, I, 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 it's not me standing with my hat saying pay my electricity bill. It's me saying, please help me keep other people going. And I think that's important to remember when, you know, you see artists. I, I, yeah, I, I'm, that's the stuff that worries me. And, and I've been thinking lots about how I can help out other artists and what I can do. But not many other artists like me very much. So they don't really want to be involved with me. But, you know, I, when I find <laughs> some, I will. <laughs> They're wrong, and though. You, you know that. You, you know that. I am probably the most unpopular comic performer amongst our peers. I'd say I would take that crown. I'd say so. I don't think that's right. I didn't. Oh, I don't up. think that's right. You know, I think. I think you are the no. I mean, I just know there's people who are hated much more than you're hated. But I understand the point that you are trying to make. Because I think that there is some truth in it, and I've spoken about it on this, you know, podcast with you before. But I think is this the first time we because we chatted before I came and saw your show last time mm. on this podcast. So in a podcast sense, we haven't spoken about um, no, you know, your not show face and, to face. and yeah. So let's let's have a chat about that because it feeds into this conversation here, which is that you were I so lovely that, about it. Oh my god, it was well. Just, I think that and, people oh. just don't understand you. That's what it is. It's not that you are, you uh, have a sense of being fueled by, I think, the idea that other people don't like you. You have an Eminem style, you know, anger that, uh, you know, I love, I love Eminem. Like for all his faults, I love Eminem and I love nothing more than when he's really angry about people not getting him or respecting him, even though clearly, you know, millions and billions of people get him and respect him and love, but I never want him to not feel like that. So there is part of me as a consumer of his work that hopes that he always thinks that everybody is out to get him because it clearly leads to making these amazing things that I think that part of what I was blown away with by your show, and I really was blown away with it. It's one of the like best you know, live comedy entertainment experiences I've seen in, you know, I put in the top five shows I've seen in the last oh five years. Oh, my God, thank you. Yeah, it was, it was amazing. and. I think part of what makes it amazing is that you think that it's not for everybody else, so you just make it for the people that it is for. You're like, fuck mm-hmm. all these people. I'm just mm-hmm. going to make something that's great for you people. The problem mm-hmm. is it's the people who aren't there that are missing out on that. It's the people who mm. think they wouldn't like it that are wrong. And that's mm. the bit of it. That's the only bit of it that I'm disappointed about because I'm in that room at Hamer Hall with 3,000 people just, you know, absolutely loving and adoring you. And this is like first night too, opening night of the show. And it was still First time I'd ever run it because I don't do trial shows. No, it was your trial show. I went to your trial <laughs> show at Hamer Hall and it was great. Good trial show. feel like Wait. you're really going to get it together once you actually take it to a big stage. And- <laughs> You know what they say in comedy. If you can get the jokes to work at Hamer Hall, you'll get them to work anywhere. um, It's like this spectacular, you know, imagination of this incredible fantasy for the audience of people that you have there. But the thing that I think that the only thing that I was disappointed is I really did say this should be, it was like, 
this is probably not true, but like it was 90% women, 8% gay guys and me. And <laughs> and I just kept looking around the room, you know, for those. And you do it in the show. You kind of identify the, you know, the straight white men in the room. And, you know, there wasn't a lot. And I just thought this is such a pity because this show is also for them. This show pretends that it's not for them. But it is 100% absolutely yeah. for them. And in fact, if anything, it's the greatest cheat sheet to understand, yeah. you know, what's going on in your wife, girlfriend, partner's life of all fucking time. Like if it's you true. are ever a guy who just goes, I don't know what she's thinking today. I don't know why she in that mood. Just go and see M show. You'll, you'll, she'll answer all your questions and you'll come out yeah. humming a tune. <laughs> I'm here for you, bro. I'm here. No, it's funny because Channel 10 have aired it four times now. So um, – like in, since since November, they've aired it four times, and I get blokes. I've had a lot of blokes. Con- I mean, I've had a few angry men's rights activists, mm. so that's okay. But a lot of straight blokes contact me off their own bat, say, "Oh, my wife made me sit down and watch the show." And she was, I thought it was great, and so your wish is coming to fruition <laughs> because a lot of dudes are, are converts to the M. Rossiano way of thinking. <laughs> and I think that comedically. Other comedians haven't come and sat in the audience of your show. No, never. Um, None of them have seen me do comedy ever. Yeah. So for anyone who I think thinks they don't like you or don't like what you do, I think they think they don't like the idea of what it is they think you do. Does that make sense? Oh, my God. They have this idea of – they have an idea of who you are or an idea of what it is you do and they don't like that. The only problem in that scenario is it isn't who you are and it isn't what you do. <laughs> no, I know. And I just, I, 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 like I hear things like other comedians in makeup chairs on TV shows and I've got a makeup artist who works on those TV shows and they sit and they bag the shit out of me in front of her and then she comes and sees me and tells me and it's just like I feel so, and they're comedians that you and I both know well and I get it breaks it breaks me it, like it's it's hard for me to not want the approval of my peers and I have this amazing I've got half a million followers online now and this community of adoring loving supportive people and yet I still fixate on this 15 or so high profile Aussie comics who think I'm shit and I just wish I just wish that I could conquer that but I mean I've got you I've got Husey I've got Scotty I've got Jude like I do have possibly arguably the five best comics we've ever yeah. had in my why are you listening in my, to these other fucking idiots <laughs> exactly in my corner <laughs> but it's just those few other kind of more I guess not yeah. as good as you guys that I I obsess over Will. I just, and I know I've got you telling people, no, nah, no, nah, she's great. She's not what you think. And I just, I just wish I could not focus so much on the, my, on the love of my peers. And when I can finally get through that and I'm much better, I think, I, I think I'll be, um, yeah, I think I'll be better and happier on stage and not trying to constantly, you know, win them over. But th- I mean, this do is just you, me in primary Do you school. feel like everybody has that insecurity or do you feel like you're a person who, like when it when it comes to you, the idea that everybody hates you or you're not respected by your peers mm. and like those darkest mm. sort of thoughts. Now, mm. I don't believe those things are true, by the way, but I understand there is a truth to them and I, I, yep. I don't mean to deny your experience. Oh, no, you're right. I think, I think there are some genuine truths to what you're saying, but I also think yeah. that, like you said, you have all these... 
you know, really well established and I think smart, respected comedians yeah. who are fans of yours and, you know, yes. are advocates for what it is that you do. So mm. you could concentrate on that and not concentrate on the arseholes. And I but should. We all aren't, <laughs> yeah, we all should. We all should concentrate on the 60 people who tell us they love the show, not the person who hated it. But we still are hardwired to be looking mm. at that one person in the room who's not smiling when everybody else is laughing their <laughs> ass off and going, what, what's your problem, mate? <laughs> it's so true. <laughs> I will scan. I'll put up a, a bit and there'll be like a thousand comments and I will scan for that one. And then I'll like pick out them. Why? What's wrong? What's happened? And I'll explain myself. And oh my God, I can see myself doing it. Like, stop it. I don't know. I I don't know why I do it. I, I want to stop doing it. Do I think it's true? I don't think everyone hates me. No, I'm, I, I don't think that at all. I know I'm not everyone's cup of tea and I'm actually okay with that. Um, but I, I do know that there are a few people within our community that really dislike me and actually refuse to even work with me. Um, that, that does bother me, that part of it. How uh, much of that do you attribute to, you know, maybe like times in the past where you hadn't, you know, like worked well with somebody and it it's, comes out of a real place? And how much of it do you attribute to just people loving to have somebody that they can because like that's the other thing too like in any social group you know i always say with comedians you've got to you know really be open to the idea because comedians do like to hang shit in general <laughs> and of course we're going to hang shit on people within our own community and people become yeah. the punching bags or the butt of the yeah. jokes for a while and you've got to be open to the idea that anytime you walk out of a room when there's a bunch of comedians you suddenly <laughs> are going to be that person yeah. you know and i think yeah. we all are that at different times and we yep. all are the butt of the joke and we all are the yeah. butt of the the jealousy or the rumor or the innuendo or the you know whatever soft spot you know people think we have you know people yeah. will naturally go for that soft spot so when you think about you know these people because i think this is a relatable story because there'd be people working in workplaces where they're going i love this job and i think mm. i'm good at this job but I hate the fact that, you know, I work in an office where I feel like 10 or 15 people don't really get me or respect mm. me. I think it's a universal story. Like you said, it's a primary school story. You yeah. Know? Oh, it, it was, I was very unpopular at school. Yeah. I, I mean, I absolutely have to take most responsibility because I've walked through life pissing people off. Like it's just, it's just who I've been my whole life. I, I, I draw the, you know, people either passionately love me and see the light in me and want to be near it or people violently hate me and, you know, don't want to be anywhere near me. And I've always been that divisive person. And as I've gotten older, <clears throat> I desire that less and less. I don't want enemies. I don't. But I would say in terms of our peers and the ones who refuse to work with me, I would say 80% of that is my, my fault. Um, I would say a, a lot of it is my fault. But, I, you know, the, there are circumstances and times where I've worked with these people where I was getting up at 4 o'clock in the morning and, you know, I was on a really high-pressure show and um, um, my baby had died. And these aren't excuses, but that these, are, these are real things that are happening around me that were influencing my personality. And I always said, when I'm in high pressure situations, I go into fight mode, not flight. So I fist her up and if you're either, you know, get in or get out of the way. And um, 
I, my behaviour was pretty appalling. I think in radio, every time I've stepped into radio, my behaviour becomes de- de- deteriorates and it's appalling. Um, and I know that. And that's why I will never step back into radio because I hate the person I've become. And I think the people that work with me in those scenarios, half of them love me and I get it and want to help me and can see the vision. You know, I've got some of my best friends, Ben Wosley, you know, there are people that I'll always be friends with because we went through so much together. And then there's the other half of the team who just were like, she was a fucking nightmare. And she came in every day and we didn't know what version of M we were going to get. And like, and I accept that. And and that's my fault. And sometimes I felt so out of control. I didn't want to get out of my car. So I think a lot of it is my fault, but I also know that that's not me. And Radio M is not who I am. It's just not who I am. I'm actually a pretty kind person and a pretty reasonable person most of the time, but I'm not someone who copes well with no sleep in high-pressure situations um, with people who I don't think like me because I'm a needy bitch who wants everyone to love me. And if I get a sense you don't like me, then all of a sudden it's just like I, I panic. So... I don't know, Will. It's, I've, I've done so much soul searching on this scenario and the people that refuse to work with me, the people that don't like me, I, I don't know how to get them back and I don't know that I can. And it's those people who talk about me to other people who don't know me and haven't met me and that's the percentage of people who are judging me on what they're being told by people who have seen me at my worst. So, yeah. It's hard, isn't it? Like because, you know... Like, of course, you want to be able to say to people and yeah, like, it's great that you recognize that because I think that we, um, we all need to be more aware and maybe this time is going to make us more aware. I th- my great hope is that we will come out of this with more empathy, that people who suddenly have needed to sign up for, like you said, for Centrelink to go through that process, who've never mm-hmm. had to go through it before will suddenly go, hang on, is this designed intentionally confusing to make sure that people can't do this i'm a person with a university degree and i'm sitting down in front of this and i can't work out how to sign up to this thing how the fuck Mm. is somebody who was like homeless or somebody who Mm. you know doesn't have the same educational opportunities or somebody doesn't have a computer at their house or whatever how do they get this safety net regularly and and maybe we get more empathy into what the struggles that people have gone through and the pressures that people have had on their lives because suddenly we've all got a version yeah. of the same struggles and pressures on our lives. Do you have hope out of this time that it will change things? I I do and I don't. I, I hope that I hope that things go a bit more gentler and I hope that they stay slowed down. But I also know how elastic the human like I, I, my fear is we bounce back twice as hard is what I'm saying to you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but like it's it's certainly I, I I genuinely believe when this is over we will all look back on this time with a sense of nostalgia and a sense of God you know remember when we were all at home by five eating dinner at six watching telly together and you know and and not to diminish the hard times that I know a lot of people are going through. Um, yeah, I, I think this has been a period of incredible. You know, we had to press stop. Like we were literally forced to bang the stop button on the world and perhaps, you know, that's Mother Nature sending us to our room and just saying think about what you've done and maybe some of us will think about what we've done and some won't but I hope enough that the percentage of people do 
that it's certainly shifted my views on what's important and what I want to achieve and how I want to go moving forward. And I know I want to, I want to leave a much gentler path with people and um, with my friends and, and speaking from my heart more and, you know, things I already did, but I just, yeah, I, I've been watching and looking, I, I do the project once a week. And so I have to go in and be immersed in Corona for the whole day. And I come out of it and I come home and I cry and I say to Scott, I, it's like, I love doing the project and I'm grateful for the job, but there's so much out there that is so overwhelming. So I just, my advice to people listening now is you can't immerse yourself in the information, the 24 hour vomit that's happening. You just have to pick where you're getting it from and just take in so much because no one is equipped to deal with the constant stream of negativity and doom and gloom. But um, yeah, look, I, I hope well, I told you that uh, I told you that, um, uh, you know, uh, I've moved house. I moved house during the middle of all this, which was, you know, an experience. How was all that? Of time. What the well, fuck? <laughs> well, it was such a funny experience because I, we were moving out of Melbourne. That that had always been the intention. Yeah. Part of the reason, you know, that I stopped doing the radio was that, you know, we wanted to move back to closer to Amy's family and, you know, mm-hmm. in a part of the world where she wanted to be a little bit more. And the idea being that I was going to do a lot of touring as well. Yeah. So, you know, the idea was if she was going to be, you know, at home by herself when I was on the road, it would have been nice for it to be in a place where she's surrounded by friends and family and she can feel safe and comforted now it turns out she's stuck with me for six months but i think she's it's okay she's, oh, she, she's feeling okay wrapped. with that at the moment yeah i think but so it must be lovely for her to have you home so much it and with nothing to do so i've been <laughs> being very practical i've been baking i've uh what have you been I've, baking besides uh, well, yourself my nana died <laughs> and Aww. so yeah well that that also, but my nana died, 97 years old. You would have loved her, by the way. She would have been oh. a big fan of yours. She was a uh, fierce, frank, uh, yes, independent yes. woman, you know, and uh, yes. right right until the end pretty much. So, um, Did you get to go to boss. her funeral? No. So this was part of what, what's going on at the moment. So I couldn't even go and visit her and say goodbye because oh, once she was in well, hospital, obviously it was in the time of, you know, not being able to go and visit the older people and then she got so sick that I couldn't I couldn't talk to her on the phone or anything even to oh, say goodbye so really last time I got to have a face to face with her was Christmas but that was lovely like we had a nice time at Christmas and she was still you know very much at her best at Christmas so you know things yeah. got a bit worse over this year but and then no I, I couldn't travel to the funeral and then because of the numbers at the funeral anyway we just decided that my brother who lives down there and lived with her would be the grandkids representative at the funeral but oh. it, the, yeah I, I did say that the day she died it was good friday the day she died and um we waited until easter sunday to confirm that she was dead because she was very religious so we thought she might make a jesus style comeback on she the sunday <laughs> but um <laughs> Uh, the funeral was a Wednesday, Wednesday of this week. And that was the day that it really, really hit me hard. I was, yeah. it, you did feel a very long way away and just not being able to give your mum a cuddle. You know, her mum died, you know, and she's she's lived on the same block as her mum for, for uh, her entire life pretty much and was her constant carer for the last six years of her life. And, you know, that's been really hard on my mum as well, but... You know, I just knew that she would be going through so much because there'd be some elements of relief, but it'd mostly be grief as well, you know, and this mm. big empty hole in her life. And you just want to be there for your mum more than anything and, oh, you know, yeah, for those I'm who are sorry. left behind. So, 
that's been that was pretty hard. So that day I decided I was um, going to bake some of Nana's old recipes. She was a big baker. So oh. um, we're in the new house and, you know, there's a few baking trays and a few things around. So I started, uh, you know, just making some biscuits and slices and yes. very Nana style. Yes, are they CWA like Country Women's Association? around the house, which has been Country Women's Association nice. cooking. Yes. Is well, that, that living little... in the country now, living on a farm, Em, uh, cooking, <laughs> cooking slices and cookies. I'm, uh, yeah, I'm very country already. Uh, there was a snake in my tree yesterday going oh after some bird's eggs and uh, there's a swarm of wasps last night. Oh, yeah. No, it's, oh. it's proper country down here. And because we can't, you know, normally when you would move, you'd outsource a lot of that. I was going to be mm. moving during the comedy festival. We're going to leave straight after the comedy festival. And um, instead, obviously, we moved the um, move forward when the comedy festival was cancelled. And so we started packing up the house and we're doing it all practically. I would have hired somebody. I would have had somebody yeah. else doing a lot of that stuff. But of course, yes. because of the quarantine and all these sort of things, we were doing it all ourselves. So oh, you God. see what you have, which I thought oh. was a really positive thing to do during that time though because mm. when you're thinking about what you don't have anymore packing mm. up your stuff that you have you're like oh i love this i haven't read this book i've got this you know that it kind of it inspired you a little bit to connect with what it yes. was you already had and be grateful Good. about that yes the yes. process of packing itself was something great to do to take my mind off you know all the other stuff that was going on and then the yeah. fact that we had to move during it and then set up a new place and as I was saying to you before we started, because, you know, we're, we're quarantined and because you can't just get someone out to do the things that you would do, I've spent a week trying to balance a washing machine, unsuccessfully, I will say, unsuccessfully. I've had some minor successes, but I haven't... I haven't. We'll have to hire was, a hubby, guys. You heard it here first. You had to hire a hubby. Every day. Well, I would hire a hubby for everything in Melbourne. But like here, you know, you can't do that in that situation. So every day I would go down to the laundry for about an hour, an hour and a half and like unplumb it and lay it on its side and get a wrench out and get a spirit level and then do an experiment and then it would jump all over the room like one of those American bucking broncos they have in like bars for people drinking bottomless mimosas and stuff and I would be sitting on top of it and then I would just come back up exhausted like a mad professor shaking my head like okay I'll have to do another hour tomorrow. So that's been a week. A man's coming out tomorrow. I'm sorry. We had to do it. I've had to. I've had to. I can't hand wash any more towels. So. Oh, my God. That's but the greatest thing I've ever heard. In a practical heard. sense, um, the, the reason I mentioned all that was that one thing I couldn't set up myself was the television. You know, fancy new modern televisions that you have to get put on walls and connected to speakers and those sort of things. Beyond my capabilities. So it was two weeks of living here with no television. So that's really interesting because you're socially isolated. So there's just the two of yeah. us and the animals and it's 24 seven, you know, cause there is yeah. no sort of relief of the television or anything. So yeah. uh, it was balanced out. Like it was actually quite pleasant. We were, you know, working really well together and it was actually nice to be able to set up these things together and all those things. But, the thing that I think was the biggest thing was the no TV. I think yeah. we were feeling okay because we weren't no constantly watching. Because yeah. when we looked out the window, things seemed okay. We were in a Fine. safe space and we were surrounded yeah. by people that we loved and we had yeah. everything that we needed for now. But the minute you turn on the TV, 
it felt mm. like that was not true. So I would highly recommend for people, if there are things that you can't do anything about, obviously you need the information right now to guide your day-to-day actions, but yeah. if they are things beyond your control and beyond your understanding, there is a part of me that would say, just, you don't need to know them. No, but, and it also, it doesn't mean you don't care. It doesn't no. mean you're disengaged from other people's it's suffering. Self-care. It's self-care. That's exactly what it is. And you're able to care for yourself and at the same time care about others. And I just think you're so right. Just know what you need to know and give yourself a few days off the relentless stream of either Trump or coronavirus because swinging between those two things is fucking grim. So but also what you you're know. saying is you can't, like you said this before, it was what you were saying about the breakfast radio thing is that you can't look after other people unless yeah. you're first looking after yourself. If so you're true. in a terrible situation, you're going to be no good to anybody else no. anyway. No. And also it, I, at this time, hopefully we'll encourage people to be gentler with themselves. That's mm. the biggest thing, man. Like just allow, cut yourself some slack especially women, especially women who are taking on the role of, and I know I have, being the mood police, making sure everyone's still okay. Have we got entertainment? Is there food? Are people doing schooling? Is the washing? Are you happy? Are you happy? Are you happy? I found myself just checking in and making sure everyone's mood was cool and up and being the entertainer. And then I'm just this empty shell at the end of the day because no one's checked in with me. And so now I get up and I'll go for a walk with the baby, have my coffee outside, um, you know, do some stretching or, I don't know, paint or just do something before I then launch into being the ringmaster of the shit show, you know. So I've just got to do that first. So water your plant first, especially to the women listening, and then go out and water the rest of the garden because otherwise you're fucked. Otherwise you're just playing catch up. Because the homeschooling, the remote learning stuff is a whole thing. Yeah. So talk me through your life because I'm so fascinated to like, what's your life like? Who's at home? How are you handling it all? Everyone's at home. Three dogs, three kids, husband, me. It's a full house. Baby baby through to 18 year old. The whole spectrum. Yeah. One, 13 and 18. Um, so I get so Elio gets up at about six, and we um, we potter around. Scott and I take it in turns who gets up. We potter around. We watch a bit of wiggles. We do a bit of climbing. We eat a bit of porridge, and then um, he'll go back down for a nap. And then I'll quickly try and get some emails done before my middle child comes upstairs to start her schooling. And um, Odie's very much like me in that she's not so motivated to do anything that's not art or performing. Um, So the maths and science stuff, I have to hover in the back like a helicopter, just checking things. And the other thing is, Will, I can't fucking understand any of it. Like, I don't know year eight maths. It is not my strong point, guys. So she'll ask me a question and I'm like, I don't know. I'm just trying to Google the answer. But they've got a great program on her school. So the teachers are there on the screen. Um, I have to be very careful because sometimes I'm downstairs recording my podcast just swearing my head off and then the whole year eight class heard me swearing about Britney Spears the other day so I got an email about that um so she does her work my 18 year old's uh, a frontline worker she works at an IGA and by the um, way this is what you've got to imagine that the teachers also have these extra responsibilities they're not only putting together classes but they have to send emails to parents going you're swearing too much about Britney Spears could you pipe it down a little bit please the poor teachers at my kids' school. They know me and they all know me. They come to my shows. They know me. But it's just these funny little, hey, we could hear you in the background. I'm like, oh, shit, sorry. Um, my other daughter, poor bugger, she had glandular fever. She finished year 12 last year, had got glandular fever, so was on lockdown for the summer. 
started first year uni, coronavirus hits. So she's not got her first year. She's missing out on first year uni and missed out on the summer of turning 18. So at the moment, she's doing a lot of needlepoint and working at the IGA. So (laughs) that's what her life is. And then my husband's put an indoor bike room in. The baby lost his nursery because my husband's a hell man. He likes to get outdoors. He's one of those people. And by the way, thoughts and prayers to anyone living with an outdoorsy person. Jesus Christ. I'll have to send him on errands like that don't exist. And so he does that. Um, But it's kind of chaotic. It's 15 meals a day, Will. It's 15 meals a day that I have to make sure are available. Do you even know what that entails? Fucking hell. Oh, no, I'm having about 15 meals a day, so I think I'm right across that. <laughs> oh, my God. The eating ISO ass is a thing, guys. ISO ass is a thing. Um, my yeah, manager so that- sent me a cookie recipe after she was like Double Tree, the, you know, the famous Double Tree chocolate chip cookie that they, yeah. Yeah, give a, they've released the recipe to that. So she sent that through to me and I said, I am going to cook it, but I have to wait two weeks because I cooked all those biscuits the other day and then I ate all those biscuits the other day. So oh, that's not the, the cooking can- that's the problem. It's the eating of them that is the problem. And that's the thing. Once you've cooked it, you're like, I might as well eat it. And like, and you just keep going back. You can't ration it out. It's like it becomes a personal challenge to eat it the day you cooked it. Like it is shocking. We, it's like I have to hide stuff around the house. It's like the Easter eggs went in 24 hours. Oh, my God, the Easter eggs. Jesus Christ. That, it's, it's good. I'm, I'm enjoying being able to, as an anxious person, I'm enjoying being able to see all my family all at once in the same room. And I know exactly where my parents are. And I can see my dogs. So all my number ones and my best friend, Michael, I speak to every day. So as an anxious person, it's kind of ideal because I know where everyone is. Um, what are the challenges for your kids? Because I like 18 years old, I mean, Oof. you know, like you said, yeah, it's the time of your life where all you've been promised for the last four or five <laughs> years of working hard is you get to this point and you're allowed to go and go crazy, do what yep. you want to do with your life. Yep. And then suddenly yep. you essentially got like a six months detention, you know, yeah. so you can't leave the house other than go to work at IGA. That's your, that is that is what you're it. doing with your life. That's like how, yep. how is that being handled? She is such an amazing kid. She really is. She's she's been phenomenal. Like she's taken on extra shifts at work. She's delivering groceries to the elderly um, who can't come and get it. She's a phenomenal child. I've somehow ended up with this community-minded, intelligent. She's not a party animal. She she reads books and she, you know, but I mean, I think I better prepare myself for 2021. I think there's going to be, you know, four-day benders. But um, <laughs> she, she's been phenomenal and she's my best mate, which like is like I've sad. read all the fucking books, mum. It's <laughs> yeah. time for me to go out and about and yeah. have some fun. Yeah. No, she's um she's been my saving. It's like having a best mate with you in the house. She's fantastic my one-year-old doesn't really notice the difference it's my 13 year old that's really struggling with the social aspect Mm. you know when you're 13 and you're coming into your own and your parents are shit and you want to talk to your mate. so that's been a hard one for me and um you know we've been doing lots of painting and nails and walks and I don't know kicking the footy she's a great footy player AFL um it's just being conscious of her, but also saying to them, hey, you know what? It's okay that you feel flat. It's cool. And it's not gonna, you're not going to feel that way forever. I feel flat too. And what can we do about it? And maybe, maybe you just want to go lie down for a bit and, and think about it. And then as long as you're not thinking about it for too long. So I, I think it's 
don't be scared of your kids being sad and anxious and flat because that's life. And I think if you can teach them how to kind of come through it and show them that you come through it, resilience blooms. Um, so my kids are very aware of being, it's okay to be angry and it's okay to be sad and it's okay to be depressed, but you know, let's not let it last for too long and let's talk about it. So that's probably the biggest thing coming from this is talking about the negative feelings and rolling around in them and, and, and allowing them to happen, but also figuring out how to walk out of them. Uh, okay. Well, let's get back to your art then, because I am very fascinated by whether people and you mentioned this you're the first person i've spoken to who's you know really sort of said it out loud but i think it it's got to be true is that this changes your art and for a couple of reasons that we've talked about already one of them is definitely the idea that you realize suddenly it's very very fucking obvious that there's no point trying to suck up to the the mainstream or the establishment because the mainstream and establishment consider us to be a non-essential service yeah, yeah, the minute the shit goes down, we're the first thing that is cancelled and nobody gives a fuck. So yep. in a way, that frees you up as an artist to just go, well, fuck you. I'm just going to make <laughs> exactly the sort of art that I want to make. Now, you were probably doing that anyway. <laughs> like it's not yep. as big a jump for you. Yep. But I feel like because of that, maybe you'll even lean into it even further. Have you really had to think about how this changes you as an artist? Yes. I mean, what it does is it really highlights my reliance on my audience. So mm -hmm. there is no middleman between me and them. There's no, now there's no, there's no frontier touring, putting on a show and ticker tech handling the money. So before it, it was a polite exchange. You know, they don't really make the leap that the money's going into my bank account eventually. It's just, we're paying a ticket to a ticket company that has nothing to do with M. M puts on a great show that end yeah. but what people need to know is once the venue hire is taken out management percentage everyone's been paid merch has been paid blah, blah 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 in the end i get an amount of money from those ticket sales that i live off so that has been removed and now i have to have open and honest conversations about hey my art does cost you money directly and that's been the most uncomfortable thing for me in this whole experience is I give out so much content for free. I, I basically run my own reality TV show on my Instagram stories. You know, I, I put out songs each week. I, you know, my audience are very accustomed to getting a lot of me for zero dollars. My podcast is free. Everything's free. The one thing I do ask them once a year is to pay 80 bucks for a great show. And um, now that's going to have to change. The, I'm going to have to be asking them to pay for some content that they're used to getting for free. And that shift it has been uncomfortable. So my art well, isn't changing. The, the yeah. free, that, that stuff isn't free. That stuff <laughs> is all like you working. So, and I, always, I mean, I say this to, honestly to people at the start of this podcast, you know, most weeks, which is if you can't support the podcast through Patreon, come and see a show. That's my favorite yeah. way for you to support my career is come 100%. and see a show. If you like this podcast, you've enjoyed getting it for free, come and see my show and our deal mm. is done with each other. But there's no mm. show for you to come and see anymore. So no. could I please have some money? Join up to Correct. Patreon. <laughs> please, exactly. Please support Will's podcast now on his Patreon page because <laughs> you're getting this chat between two comedians who are really good at what they do and you're probably going to walk away feeling good and 
I think that you should have to contribute to Will for doing that for you. And 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 it's taken me a few weeks to not feel sheepish about saying that, but I've spent 16 years building up my craft and how and how good I am at it and and the social media stuff is for me to get people to like me let's be real it's for people to get to know me and decide they like me and they do want to come see me live um so I don't do my social media out of the kindness of my heart I do it so that I'm I'm on display I'm advertising myself all the time and so what I am gonna have to do and I have been doing is saying to my audience guys I need you to lean in lean all the fuck in lean all the way in and I won't sell your eyeballs to advertisers I won't take on sponsors I will protect your eyes and your ears it's just going to be you and me and that is the uncomfortable conversation every artist is going to have to have with their community in this time and that's the truth and it's some people will walk away some people will be affronted and some people as I found will be like of course here's the money so you just have to be okay with some people not liking you and losing some fans and and that again as artists is tough yeah but if they're not willing to support your career they're not fans of yours right correct in some way I always say to people, there's plenty of people right now who are going through terrible times. And the last way that they could help this podcast is financially. And I could not understand that more. And I would never want somebody to be contributing money that they don't have. I'll be fine. This will keep coming out. But there are other ways you can support it. You can share it with a friend. You can pass an episode on to somebody that you like. You can give it a good rating. There are still ways that you can support something you love that aren't purely financial as well you know yeah Yeah. so you can go and you can go and watch your song on youtube and get the downloads to a point where you make some money out of that or at least you know people come come to your next show because they got they go hey i love this show from this song from m show i think you would love this song you know you send them the the youtube link to the song they watch the song they come and see you when you're back doing shows that's still helping and there are ways yeah that's not financial that at we, all. It, there's a yeah. There's no. ways to support the person you love if you are doing it really tough financially in helping them get more well known, so that people who aren't doing it tough financially see them. You know, like it's there are there are so many ways to lean into your favorite actor, comic, musical performer um, that aren't just money. You know, and that is very very true. But obviously, money helps. So if yeah. you can, please do. <laughs> <laughs> real talk. Real talk. It's true. Like, you know, even if it's just – I've seen comics char- – you know, some comics are just charging five bucks. And if there are 500 people watching a show paying five bucks, that's great money. So it's a cup of coffee, guys. It's a cup of coffee to help someone sleep better at night who's up and coming. I just think would you rather put the five bucks towards something you don't really need or would you rather put the five bucks toward an up-and-coming performer who in the future could be doing amazing things because you believed in them? Um, so value the arts as highly as you value other other services. I think, you know, obviously not medical and proper frontline ones, but yeah, I um that that's funny. I haven't said it out loud, but that's been the hardest thing is the direct relationship with the audience and cutting out all the people that were shielding them from reminding them that you take their money. <laughs> well, I think that's like it's a really honest thing to say. Like so yeah. many people are thinking it, but it is a hard conversation to have him. It is. And it really is. Like I, I always say with this podcast, you know, I say it at the top of every podcast. I say the money goes to paying podcast might. The money goes to paying James Fosdyke, the people who put on this podcast. I've, I've done this for six years. I've never made a cent out of it. And I always make a no. point of that. And yeah. there's a part of me that's like, why do I even feel the need to make a point of that? 
I should make a little bit of money out of this. You should. Like, this is good and people like it and lots yes. of people listen to it and yes. I do it. Why shouldn't yes. I make some money out of it? You anyway, should make I'm- money. <laughs> no, don't apologise. You're about to apologise again. And I say yes. this to so many creatives. It is a creative <laughs> thing. It is creatives find it hard to put a monetary value on their art because it's it's mm. and you you Will Anderson should absolutely make money from from your podcast with your name on it that you put all the time and effort into and the, and you should not apologize for that that's it and that's and I'm, there will be thousands of people listening to me say that now going fuck yes M. so mm. that's it go and put and, money on Patreon and if you're going fuck you but you're listening to yeah. this for free regardless so it's free, you know guys. you still get it it's still coming God. out guys don't worry about it um <laughs> Okay, so it affects in that way. And I think that's a really uncomfortable conversation that I'm really like happy that you are honest enough to share with me because yeah. it is one that every creative is having right now, which is how do I value my work and how do I get other people to value my work? Now, the work itself, because you are someone who already had a community and you were already yeah. somebody who I think had a connection directly between you and your community. You have a little army of followers. Well, not a little army, quite a large (laughs) army of followers, you know, who already look to you for amusement and entertainment and your thoughts and your guidance and all these sort of things. So does that become now your absolute superpower during this time? Yes. I think the fact that I have cultivated an audience over 15 years and loved them and, and, really narrowed down on them as you said I make the stuff for the people who come to my shows I don't try and be broad I don't try and grab everyone in the net I go after mothers I go after women 25 to 50 um I go after that unique experience of being a woman right now and um I think because I have bothered to do that and because I knew early on that I wasn't going to get help from commercial TV or or radio. Like, you know, I had to go out and make my own magic and I figured that out a very long time ago. So thank God I did that because I now have – I don't need to go out and try and convince people or, you know, and win people over. I've got them there. So, yes, for me during this time it is less scary because I have grown and cultivated a community – um, and that are supportive. So I'm, I'm very, very grateful and thankful to them. And that is why I keep putting out things and I, and I keep making stuff of a very high quality for them because I think they deserve it because they've stuck around. So tell me, what are you making? What are the things that you're working on at the moment? Which of them is giving <laughs> you the most joy? What is oh. it that you have to say at the moment that you think is really important to say? I'm loving – I started my podcast last week, Emsolation, and um, – uh, it's just the most joy I've had making anything in a very long time. So it's m- myself, I do an opening monologue and then I talk with my best friend Michael Lucas about the things we're doing and watching in isolation. And then my husband Scott does a bit of um, performance coaching at the end. We have a listener record a voice memo of, of the pro- a problem they're having. We play it and then Scott solves it for them. And um, it's doing really well. It, uh, went to number two on the charts on the first day. Bloody Corona cast keeps beating me. Um, <laughs> and uh, and number one on the comedy charts, and um, you've got to get Dr. Norman Swan on, and then you'll uh, be fine. You can knock Norman. Off every, every time, like I, Scott busted me checking the charts at five a.m. the other day. He's like, "What are you doing?" I'm like, "Nothing." He goes, "Are you checking the podcast charts?" I said, "Yes," and fucking Norman's still number one. Um, 
So, yeah, people, I know that people are getting a lot out of it, but it's the most unfiltered and the most true version of me I've ever been in a broadcasting scenario. And it's reignited my love of broadcasting and I'm making exactly what I would want to listen to. So I think that comes out Tuesdays and Thursdays and um, it's camp and irreverent and... But I also kind of talk about each, my monologues are always about my experience in isolation, you know, for that day or the, the few days prior to it. And I've talked about, you know, the root, the idea of trying to have a routine and also the idea of fighting over whose turn it is to work and, um, you know, just my trying to keep my dad home because he's an Italian baby boomer. He thinks he's immune to the virus. You know, the Italians are the worst people to try and keep indoors in a pandemic because they're handsy and they, they generally don't think rules apply to them, you know? So it's like, I'll go, I'll go, dad, where are you? Cause I'll call him and I'll go, where are you? You go, I'm home. I go, bullshit. I can hear you in the car. I'm just popping out. Good dad. He goes, I've just gone for 10 minutes. It won't get me in 10 minutes. Okay. That's not how it works, mate. So just tracking my fucking father and trying to keep him no, home needs, as a full-time It needs job. 12 minutes. That's one of the scientific discoveries they've found about the virus yeah. is it needs 12 minutes to get Oh, you. God. He's so funny. So I guess the podcast for me is just observing everyone's experience in my own and putting it into a 45-minute bit, which I'm loving. So that's what I'm making. Um I also do a little thing called Wine Time on Friday nights where it's just hectic with my family, a bit of singing, a bit of drinking. Um, which is a Facebook Live video. And I'm writing a novel, which I'm really struggling to finish. Um, that's the project that's hanging over me the most. And, you know, I'm, I'm doing the project, which I'm loving. And I'm just, you know, making stuff that's making me happy because, you know, why not? And I'm, you know, I'm on the telly a lot more than I used to be since we last spoke, which is kind of cool. I think that's um, people like me getting on the telly is a good thing, I hope. Um, so yeah, no, that's, that's it. But probably the the best one for me is the podcast. I, I'm hoping to tour that and make a big thing of that and that just be my full-time job. <laughs> oh yeah. I was hoping that too, but I've been doing this for a long time and it hasn't happened yet. So <laughs> <laughs> shut up. It could happen. <laughs> could happen. Watch out for my philosophy podcast tour in 2021. <laughs> I feel um, like we could, we you could tour it, and I feel like you just need to get a different guest in every city and sell tickets, and people would come to that because you're a great interviewer. I think you're the, one of the best interviewers there is. I, I did uh, a live one with Ronnie Chang at uh, a festival at Giant Dwarf in Sydney uh, a few years ago. And I've just never really wanted to do this show live because I think there's an intimacy. I have all these rules about what this show is. And at this I current quarantine do. situation yeah. is... Well, I think you've always, even if you don't always say them out loud at the start, I think before you start on a project, you should have some of your own rules when you start it. It doesn't mean you can't break the rules when situations change, but I've always had a few key concepts that what the podcast was about. And when I did a live show, I was like, I don't think this this episode was kind of as intimate and interesting because you start to perform for an audience a little bit more. And, you know, it's nice to not have the audience there to get to what I want to get to, but... You know, but isn't that your skill? Your skill in life, Will, and you don't even know it, is you're able to make, even though you're playing in a room to have like 2,000 people, when I watch you perform, it feels like you're just talking to me. You have this really intimate way of performing of this, like you drill everything down to this pinpoint of light. And I think 
people seeing you on stage being reflective and not cracking punchline after punchline. It's like, you know, it's like when Robin Williams used to do serious roles and they're the most captivating. And I think you on stage with another smart person and an interview series would be fucking awesome and people would love it. And I think that you should explore doing that. Well, I may be looking for ways to make money, guys. So I'm not really <laughs> not ruling I'll be anything on there. out. I'll do it. I'll be a guest. I'll sit there. I'll cry. God knows I will. God. It's amazing God. how uh, it's amazing how uh, unemployment can really change some of your core principles about what it is that you do. Oh, so. yeah, and your standards in life. Just your general standards of things. Oh, yeah, I'll wipe my ass with a coffee filter. Sure. <laughs> Did you think you'd be saying that six months ago? No, you didn't, did you? I found myself walking around the house evaluating the possibility of being able to use it to wipe my ass. And the coffee filter won. Well, can, did it win? Just Can anyone win? But yeah. So there you go. Yeah. Well, as long as you haven't moved on to the wigs, you're still, you're still fine as far as I'm concerned. Crossing myself. May that never happen. That's no, fine. I've got a frontline worker on the IGA now. She can bring it home before they go on the shelves. All good. Oh, that, yeah, exactly. That's why you sent her out to work. <laughs> like, firstly, 100%. get in early. She's always here an hour and a half before her shift. And she seems yep. to be various different weights depending on when you look at her. I don't know why. Was she pregnant yesterday? She seemed to. She didn't just have a roll of toilet paper up her shirt, did she? <laughs> uh, she um, bought home an 18 pack one night I don't know how she got it out <laughs> What do you think when you're talking to your audience Because you're somebody who gets a lot of feedback from your audience That yeah. they are most scared about or worried about Or thinking about right now Well for my audience Half of them are worried about the mental health of their husbands um, I get a lot of messages from women who are married whose husbands have stopped working and I think for the traditional Australian male that, that idea of being the provider um, is their identity is very much tied to that. So a lot of men are out of work at the moment and sitting around home and feeling like they're not contributing or, or you know, a bit listless. So that's been a really big one. When, and one I think needs to be addressed, you know, I know it's not feminist of me to say that or, or, or progressive, but it's the truth. There's a lot of Australian males sitting at home out of work feeling quite depressed. So that I get a lot of that. I get a lot of questions about um, how to keep the kids entertained during the day. Um, I get a lot of questions like, is 11 a.m. too early to drink a glass of rosé? Um, what's your answer to that? Fuck no. Um, as long as it's not happening every day. <laughs> basically. I do week on wine, week off wine. Basically, I, I have to have a week off. I do on, off, on, off. Um, I think it's the uncertainty that's getting all the women that follow me. That's that's what it is. It's when is this going to end? There's there's no there's no time we're going to be okay. Great, so we're all going to go back to work here and everything's going to be fine. It's that big horrible vortex of unknown. Um, so I think for me, when I read all these, when I get this feedback and and the worries that the ladies are facing, that's why I'm I then kind of calibrate my content off of that. And so it's escapism and it's not mentioning COVID. It's acknowledging it that we're in isolation, but not really why we're in isolation, you know? So, and just things like, oh, the way my husband's chewing is annoying me today. Just things that allude to, <laughs> allude to why we're here, but not actually going head on. So people I aren't coming admit, to I've Russia. never got quite as much commentary on uh, how it is that I eat food as I have in the last couple of weeks. Oh my Turns God. Turns out that I chewing. do. <laughs> 
<laughs> I never realised that was such a big issue, but yeah. it turns out yeah. it is. It's just the tiny little nuances of life now that are magnified because you're viewing them all the fucking time that is getting relationships. I was reading this hilarious article where it's talking about all the services that have had a boom since this has right. all happened and yep. it's been like sex toy sites and mm. divorce lawyers. Divorce lawyers have re- <laughs> 700% increase in inquiries. How 700%? What the fuck? Like, we got a long way thing, to go, guys. guys. We've either got to try pegging or we've got to get divorced. These are the only two options that we have left. That's where we're at. Oh, my God. I just learned what pegging was a few weeks ago too. Jesus Christ. Don't Google image that, guys. Do not Google image pegging. (laughs) I don't know. I just think for you and me, it's our job to be the light that people can stand in. Um, and point out the human condition and everything we're going through and make fun of it so that when they're having that 50th argument with their other half that day, they're like, Em and Will are doing this too. It's going to be okay. You know, that, and I just think that's our job. I think that's why it's important sometimes because you feel a little guilt because we are both privileged people in the grand yeah, scheme totally. of the world. We're Australians, you know, we'll make it through this. Like our yep. jobs have the capacity to come back when this is all over and we will have the capacity to do those jobs when this is all over. So... There may be some hard times in between, but compared to a lot of people whose industries won't come back, whose jobs won't come back, who have mm. lost things forever, you know, yeah. we're, we're very privileged. But if you pretend like you're not struggling through things, I think that also contributes to that unrealistic standard in society oh, yeah. where people look at other people and go, well, they're fine. Everything's fine in their world. Oh. So I feel extra terrible now going through my terrible stuff. So true. Like there's so many... People on Instagram doing like perfect crafting projects in their neat house with their dinner already cooked by four. And I'm like, bitch, you're lying. That is not what's going on in your house. You know, I look around my house, there's a dirty nappy on the floor, there's dog spew, there's no dinner, there's no groceries. And I think it's important to tell the truth of the situation rather than package it up as a beautiful little Instagram influencer moment to make all of us feel shittier. I think that's irresponsible and really harmful. So, yeah, it's mine and yours, jobs and other performers to tell the truth of the situation. But sometimes I am restoring cane furniture, which I did yesterday, and I had a bloody great time doing it. I even wore overalls. So, you know, swings and roundabouts, Will Anderson. Oh, yeah, I'm going to deal with some wasps today. I'm still not sure how I'm going to deal with them, but I'm going to deal with them. I feel like that's definitely something you should just do. (laughs) Yeah, well, no, I've got some goggles and some gloves. I'm going to whack those on. Swimming yeah. goggles or just what, what kind safety of goggles? goggles? Got myself ah, some safety yeah. goggles at the yes. hardware store because here's what I know is all the things yeah. that I'm trying, I don't know how to do. And the most likely thing that will happen is something will splinter off into my eye at some stage. It doesn't matter what it is that I am working on. There is the possibility that me working on it will mean something will fly in the direction of my eyes. So goggles oh was God. the first thing that I invested in. <laughs> If your next show isn't about all the new skills you picked up during this time, I'll be very disappointed. I will be. It might be me not- just trying. I might bring out a washing machine and for a fucking hour and a half try to fucking balance the motherfucker. No, it's Will Anderson, Renaissance man. I'm, I'm really looking forward to this show. I can't wait. Uh, has this made you? I I must admit that this has made me. Uh, open to trying some things that I would not have tried before so next saturday Such night as? i'm yeah well i'm i'm gonna do an instagram a friend of mine is a, a brilliant chef and she's been doing a little project where she's been preparing these 
um, you know, meals that are really beautiful meals that you can make at home, but they're really for people to be able to make at home at the same time, right? So yeah. things that look fantastic, but presented in a way that, you know, you can follow along and you can make this amazing thing at home for your family or whatever as well. And so she messaged me last night and said, would you do a little online cooking, you know, video thing with me? And ordinarily I would be... I'm too busy or I'm just too embarrassed or because I'm not a great cook. I like cooking, but I wouldn't say that I'm a particularly great cook. And, yeah. you know, I don't have any skills in the kitchen. You know, if you saw me using a knife, effectively I cut everything up, but I do not cut it up in the way that anyone who knows how to use a knife would cut something up. I feel like every time I use a knife, I use it in a different way. It's like I've never worked out how to use a knife. Like the end result is always the carrots are cut up. But Fine, you're like, good. do you not have a technique? No, nope, no technique. I seem to forget how to use a knife every time that I have to use a knife. <laughs> Will, are you stabbing the carrot like psycho? I guess this is how I'm doing it today. I don't know. I don't have any control over this. But the idea of doing things that are just a little outside my comfort zone is for whatever reason right now something that I'm saying yes to a few more things that I would ordinarily say no to, I think. Yeah, that's good. I'm I'm finding great comfort in having time. So not having to finish things by a certain date because tomorrow I've got four jobs on. So I, I can start something and feel quite calm about putting it down rather than killing myself to finish it because I can say to myself, oh, I'll just do it tomorrow. The, the, the joy of being able to say, I'll just do it tomorrow has just – my anxiety is so much less and I, I'm spinning slower because all of a sudden all this time has opened up for me. That's been the joy for me. I've spoken about it before on the podcast, but this has been a really great example of it, which is I realized that most of the anxiety that I had in my life always came down to me feeling rushed or late yes. or, you know, yes. overburdened Same. with things. Same. And so I started very simply just leaving to get to places early. That was yeah. a really simple thing that I did in my life was like, if I, if, if it was going to take half an hour, I'd leave 40 minutes beforehand. And if I got there in 20 minutes, well, I just had 20 minutes to go and get a coffee or I'd read yeah. my book or I'd, you know, check my messages, whatever it is. But it never made my life worse. It only Same. made my life better because I suddenly yeah. didn't have that anxiety of sitting in a cab for 20 minutes going, oh, I'm not going to get there on time. And yeah. this has been a macro version of that, which yeah. is, it's amazing how much of my regular day-to-day -day anxiety. Now, some of it's been replaced by some, you know, larger world anxiety, but yeah. <laughs> my regular day-to-day -day anxiety yeah. has been taken away by that lack of deadlines. And so how much of that thing that we chalk up as being anxiety is in a way self-created by what it is that we uh, put yeah. in our schedule, but also yeah. society created by the fact that society demands that you need to be doing these all these things all the time to be viewed as being competent and successful yeah. and a working part yeah. of society. And what we're seeing right now is that a lot of that is fucking bullshit. Yeah, 100%. And like, stop worrying. I was wearing busy as a fucking badge of honour. Mm. You're like, oh, I'm so busy. I'm busy all the time. Mm. Busy, busy, busy. And that is one thing. When this is over, I will not go back to. I will not go back to being someone who, when someone says, how are you? I'm like, oh, I'm flat out. I never want to mm. say that ever again. I never want to say, oh, I'm so busy. Because I love, I'm still being as productive. I'm, I'm making more stuff than I've ever made, but I'm less busy. And I love it I love the way it makes me feel and you're right I don't even know if I was as anxious a person as I thought I was but I was the same as you 
I, I, I always felt I was running late to the next thing and I was overscheduled and, oh, God, if I do this and, and I was always calculating time and traffic and punt road and blah, blah, blah. And now it's just it's so good and I never want to go back to that way of life. So if that's the only thing I take with me, then, you know, that something good will have come from this situation, I think, for me personally. Well, even just a simple replacement of those two words. If instead yeah. of every time... Like Wayne Schwass said to me on this podcast, he said, you shouldn't apologize for showing your emotions. What we often do after we cry is we immediately say sorry. He said, yeah. just start by stop saying sorry after you cry. You're allowed to cry. Yeah. You're allowed to feel emotions. Why, mm. why don't we do something simple where instead of just saying every time you catch yourself saying I'm busy, say mm. productive because yeah. productive is a much more positive and beautiful yeah. word and way to describe. Busy could be anything. Right, but busy is overwhelming. But productive, you could just be working on one thing, but working on it really beautifully. Or you could have made that fantastic batch of biscuits, or you could have, yeah. you know, made that you know wicker armchair, or you know, balanced yes. the fucking washing machine. Like yes. it, it, productive mm. is a much more positive that. way of describing it than than I being love busy. That. And often yes, we say busy when we mean productive anyway. Yeah, I love that. I do love that. But I do also know I was putting a lot of my self-worth in being busy, which is mm. so stupid. So that's stopping. Stopped. It has stopped. Oh, me too. 100%. Yeah. My, my, the biggest, you know, emperor is wearing no clothes. You know, we've seen The Wizard of Oz and it's just a little fucking tiny man behind this screen pretending that he's important for me yeah. has been busyness. Yeah. You know, yeah. You know, I, you know who I, else I've has always been that? one of those people who is busy. Yeah, mm, Dave Hughes has realised that also. I was talking to him the other day. Like he's the bit, like obviously was the busiest man and is the busiest man. And I think he's having a genuine revelation of, oh, it's actually okay not to be busy and it's the most beautiful thing I've ever witnessed. It's not just okay, uh, but it's uh, it's good for you. And yes. creatively, the amount yes. of ideas that I've had just from the space just from Correct. doing something differently like yes. is but what you don't you don't want to do is fall then back into the trap of you know having to then do all those things and becoming slaves to those projects rather mm -hmm. than you know mm. them being something that you enjoy exactly exactly that is so true allowing yourself space to have thoughts and and creations is just so important yeah it's true and not spinning as fast it's all um yeah, it's 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 been really good. Mm. You've reminded me of how good it is. God, we've just gone everywhere, haven't we? <laughs> yeah, we have. That's okay. Well, we should we should uh, we should yeah. finish up. But how do we you? Um, and look, and even this, I will say this: like this is what I'm doing today. Mm. I don't think I've ever done this podcast in the six years that I've done it, where it hasn't been jammed in between something else. It yeah. was always something that I was doing between various other jobs. And as much as I've like always enjoyed doing it, it's always felt like, oh, here's this extra thing. And mm. at the moment, you know, this is what I'm doing today. I'm talking to you mm. this morning and then for the rest of the day, I won't do any other work or think about any other work-related things. And it also just means that I've enjoyed this conversation so yeah. much more than I ordinarily would have because I can just be in it here with you and talk about whatever it is that we want to talk about. And I'm mm. not... Yeah, in my mind going, I've got to wrap this up or I've got to get to this point so that I can get to this next thing that I have to do today. I hope I yeah. don't forget that. It's nice to say it out loud, recorded, so that other people can keep me to account. Because, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, 
All right. So what? What's um? How long do you think this is going to go on for? Like, I'm not asking for a scientific opinion, obviously, but when you think about this, do you feel like we've still got a long time left in this? Do you feel like we're going to rush back to getting things back to normal? Where's your head at around all that stuff? Look, I guess I'm around experts every Thursday that the project have on and from, you know, from everyone that I've listened to speak, they very much, if they're not government related, are saying the rest of the year is a write-off. So if we want to get this right, we have to be prepared to kind of say, well, things aren't going to start turning over as they were until 2021. So there'll be slow easings, I think, and and I also know we'll be looking to Italy and other countries to see how they go. Um, But I think if we're fair income and if everyone wants to get on top of it, I think, you know, and Christmas is going to be tough, but I think it's going to be the rest of the year. And I think that we need to slowly start getting our heads around that. I think it will lessen, but I don't think things will be back to normal until the end of the year. I just think it'll be a new normal. And I think humans are incredible, especially Australians, at adapting and um, finding new ways to do things and, and new ways to be. So I don't think it's all doom and gloom. I think we'll come out of it and I think, you know, but I do think we're in it for the long haul. And if you think anything else, I think you might be a bit disappointed. Okay. And I'm if gonna, I'm, this is a, and if I'm wrong, on. great. Great. Okay. So um, uh, this, this might be a bit tough on the spot, but let's see how we go with this. Uh, what's your greatest hope of what happens, you know, through this or at the end of this? And what's your greatest fear about what, what this will re- result in? Well, my greatest hope is that we come out of all of this as people who are just a little bit gentler with each other and kinder to the environment and, you know, to the people we work with and just more self-aware species, basically. And my my greatest fear is that people capitalise on the fear and that, you know, there's segregation and that, and that there's an even bigger, bigger chasm between those people who can afford you know, food and luxuries and those people who can't, you know. So for me, it's that that's probably the biggest fear. But honestly, on a selfish level, my biggest fear is something happening to my mum and dad. You know, like I, I, I really worry about that. That's been the biggest one for me. And I started self-isolating as soon as we had to because they're my old people. And I think if any of you out there are thinking about going out early and breaking the curfews, do you want something to happen to your older people? You know, because we see all these people dying and we hear they're 80 or 90 and we're like, oh, they're old, it doesn't matter. And I'm like, no, they were someone's old people. That They mattered to people. So, yeah, greatest hope is that we're better as humans and greatest fear is that we're worse as humans. <laughs> I think that's pretty broad. <laughs> yeah, but I think you're right. And I think we're going to have to fight really hard to make sure that we're better as humans. I think this is a great opportunity for us to take a stock take about what's really important in the world and reshape the world, you know, that suits that more, you know. Yeah, and cherry pick the things we want to go back to. Do you know what I mean? Like now we're in a whole different way. Maybe there are some things from this way we can bring forward with us. Mm -hmm. Maybe there are some things that we're not doing anymore that we can leave behind forever. Because we realise, you know, things like having to have meetings at a meeting room. Mm. <laughs> meetings can go. Meetings can fuck right off now because we are all surviving without going to a meeting, aren't we? Oh, I mean, creatively, Sorry. that's opened up the idea of me doing, like, uh, different projects. Because it was something I've had an idea for for a long time. But I just always imagined it would be just too much, 
time of me being away from home. And I've suddenly realized mm. during this time that there might be a way of me doing the exact same project and not be away anywhere near as much because a lot of it could be done. We've just shown that a lot of it could be done like this. Yes, 100%. It's a whole new way. And also, yeah, of staying connected with your family more, which so, so many people mm. are sad about that they have to work so much and not and they miss out on, on rites of passages of kids and birthdays. And it, so much of this now can be done like this. This, And I think that this has proven that also. More human uh, connection. Ramona is barking at the door, so I need Hi, to Ramona. finish up this you podcast. Ramona, she just had a bath and now she's let herself into my office and she's uh, now can't get back out of the office. Ramona, come here. It's all right. Come here We've probably been going for five hours. We've been going for nearly um, two hours. <laughs> so uh, here's what I'm going to say to you is uh, firstly, thanks for joining us. It's always nice to talk to you. Uh, it was you nice too. to talk to you regardless, but this is a good excuse to do it. Um, <laughs> uh, where can people like, what's the name of the podcast? Where can they find you? Oh, well, Instagram's on your Instagram. You know, people know Instagram. how to do yeah. Instagram. Facebook Live yeah. is on Facebook. Um, yeah. They can find you there. But the podcast, yeah. one more time, is called m It's called Emsolation, like isolation, but Emsolation, with the tagline, you can't lock down glitter. And you can, <laughs> you need to go look at the graphic. I think you'll really like it. Um, I want you to go and look up the Emsolation graphic, Will Anderson, because I think you'll enjoy it. Um, and you can find it on iTunes, on Spotify, anywhere you get your podcasts. And if you could help me, please beat the Corona cast. That would be amazing. And tell me about your show, because if Channel 10 have showed it, tear four times four times does, does that mean it's available somewhere is it on 10 play or can people find some well, place to watch that show funny you say that um we're currently having a bunch of usbs made up that i'm going to sell on my website mrassiano.com because i'm a hustler um so in a couple of weeks you'll be able to buy it from mrassiano.com it'll come in a little wooden box you know because i'm eco-friendly and um, there'll be a bunch of behind the scenes stuff and you'll be able to plug it into your telly and watch the show with your husband or your wife um a lot of people have asked for it so i'm having them made as we speak and they'll be up and ready to go in a couple of weeks Ah, oh, brilliant. Okay, well, there you go. Uh, if you want to support this podcast, patreon.com slash philosophy is the place to go for that. And I'm going to put uh, some new and interesting content up there soon. I haven't quite got to that yet, but that will be the next thing that I am going to do. Uh, so thank you very much for doing this, Em. Love you. and um, I love you uh, too, we'll... and I miss talking to you. And please go and bloody support the Patreon, you guys. Do it. <laughs> All right, we're done. All right, we're out. I'm ending out of Zoom.